On this episode of Writing Tandem... I do think video takes consistency and you have to do it for a period of time. So it's consistently showing up within the days and weeks, but then you have to do that and let it build to really figure out what's going on. Or then the other thing is just like trends. You know, I think a lot of business owners are like, well, I don't want to make a video of me and my team doing this silly dance. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but that's like, that's like what you do. Yeah. Like it's part of the, it's part of the market. Like you kind of have to like do some of the things that they want you to do. Hi there. This is your host Vivian, and you're listening to Writing Tandem, a podcast that is all things business, entrepreneurship, and the secrets to operating a successful business while still having a life you love. Whether you're a business owner on the verge of taking that side hustle to the next level or just curious about the world of entrepreneurship, join me as I go behind the scenes of my own business and the businesses of others, unpacking some of the most valuable lessons you can apply today. Let's dive in. Well, hello. Welcome back to this episode of Writing Tandem. I'm Vivian. Excited to be here with you all today and have a great conversation with Kyle Rainey, who I have here. Welcome. Thanks. I think this is going to be fun because I've known you for a while. Yeah. So we can dig up like all the dirt, right? Uh, maybe don't go all the way back, but. <laughs> I first met you when I was actually also doing video production, which is what you do now. And I was in desperate need of some editing help. And you came through with flying colors. And I think that's, I think we maybe met. I feel like I might have made this story up in my head. I feel like I met you at one point in the parking lot, like behind the studio or something, and gave you like a hard drive there. So it felt like like a drug handoff or something. Mm, that's probably right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's always handing off hard drives back Didn't and forth. Didn't we meet? What do you call it? I think everybody was super excited because it was like that moment where like the moon goes over. Oh, the was sky. it that day? And I think it was on that day that we met. And I think, I don't yeah. know. That could be. I don't know who I was with, but I remember I had a, I had a uh, ND filter, so I could like look look, look up. It. Yeah, I well, okay, so that's funny because a lot of like <laughs> videographers, photographers, like I don't need those special glasses, nerds, right? We like all just pulled out our filters out yeah. of our kits. We're like, oh, I'll just use my. Just turn it all the way up, and it like <laughs> won't burn your eyeball out when you look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So since then, and most recently, you've had a really big life change. Tell us about baby. Um. Well, I had. We had our son on January 5th. Yeah. And uh, well, So how old today then? Not very old. Almost a month. Oh my goodness. Today is the 2nd of February. 2nd of February. Yeah. 2023. Yep. So how's it going? That's going pretty good. First baby. First baby. I feel tired all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that's how not, it goes. Um, but it's not like, I. it wasn't like what people... Made it. People made it sound worse than it is. I think. You think so? Yeah. Tell me, how's it going? Especially, like, what were what were your expectations, and how's it how's it turning? You know, out? everybody's like, "Well, your life is over, and you're not going to sleep anymore." But I think, like, I don't know. I'm I'm excited because I have all these like things that I want to do in the future. Yeah. And I'm just like, I I'm just sitting here, you know, in the middle of the night, and the kids up, and I'm like, "Wow, this sucks." But like someday, it's not going to suck. <laughs> Not at least in that way. And then, you know, you can go camping and do fun things with your kid or help them, you know, experience life like yeah. the way you thought you did when you were a kid. And so that's that's super neat. That is cool. How's Kay, your wife, feeling about it? Does she have a same perspective? This is easier than I thought or? I think she's also tired. Probably more tired because she does way more work than I do. Mm. And uh, I don't know. I think she doesn't want to go back to work. But, you know, maternity leave is fun. It is hard, I would imagine, when you're like, oh, they're here, and you just want to hold and snuggle and, and sleep. Yeah, so All we'll that. see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, as a business owner, and running your own video production company, doing video production work, what was it like preparing for a baby coming as also the owner and running your business? Were there any special things you had to think about, or does um, business go as usual? I mean, I didn't book as much business for January uh, just because I knew I would be busy (laughs) and not want to work and I kind of don't want to work right now actually so uh, I think leading up to it I was super busy trying to get like certain things done and I didn't get all that stuff done and so now it feels like it's a bit of a burden to try to still get it done yeah I'm not really behind on anything but I'm just like 
lacking the motivation to like sit and edit and go do stuff like that. But do you feel like you're lacking the motivation because you're just tired from up through the night and things like that? Or is it more of a, like you're wanting to spend time with him or I think it's a mix of that. And at the same time too, I also feel motivated because I like wanna keep growing my business and what I'm doing, um, so I can afford things. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like priorities do shift quite a bit? I mean, everybody talks about that. I don't have kids, but everyone talks about that baby arrives, you hold them in your arms in the hospital, and it's like life changes. Uh, I didn't have that. Yeah? No. No, I didn't have that. No weeping. And I was waiting for that, and it, it didn't happen. So. <laughs> Very practical. I, I feel it. like many of my goals are still, they seem to align with everything. So yeah. I don't feel like. All of a sudden, I need to like sell all my stuff to do other things or huge momentum change. I mean, I feel more motivated now to like purchase a house and do like you know, uh, family dad things, but it's not like I don't feel like I have to like cut off a part of myself and like just throw it in the trash. <laughs> well, that's good, so. <laughs> that's a win, I suppose. Yeah, keeping all the body parts for today, that's good. What about as you're as you were planning, knowing baby's coming, you've got, you know, pardon me, you know for nine months, right, that baby's yeah. on the way. Did that shift anything within your business aside from not booking in January? Were you thinking about long-term? Like, was a house already on your radar, or did you put anything new on, take anything off? I mean, we kind of saved up an influx of cash, but other than that, we didn't really adjust that much, I think. Yeah. I like that you're able to just, I, I guess I think some people assume that life changes like that means everything's going to go through a massive shift. But it sounds like you're just kind of incorporating it in as part of your life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you have to figure new things out like insurance and stuff, but it's not like the end of the road. How do you deal with insurance as you're a business owner and Kay teaches, right? Yeah, we're still <laughs> actually I need to figure that out. But I think we're just going to do something on the marketplace for the kid because you can... Like, I'm not insured through Kay's work. Okay. Uh, she's covered by her employer, but it's like it's like a mortgage to put me and a kid on there. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's like a lot of money. So I think you have to – that's the hard thing about being self-employed is that we don't have all these benefits and we have extra taxes and all that stuff to figure out. Right. But I think I'm just on my own plan, on a short-term plan, and then uh, I think the kid will probably – go on marketplace see what's available there i've i have no idea yeah so it's interesting i think that's one of the biggest things that holds people back from pursuing a business being self-employed is benefits and insurance yeah for sure has that always been on your mind have you been employed somewhere you've had benefits insurance then gave those up no cuz I, I i i've always had like odd jobs until i kind of well not odd jobs but like college jobs mm -hmm. you know? so I never really had the full-time benefits so I guess I didn't know what those looked like yeah but I also don't feel like I'm missing out on anything right now um, but I'm also like pretty healthy I don't have any like ongoing health issues so I don't really have to like deal with insurance really that much like I'd, I've been to the doctor like one time in the last three years so is that a conscience effort to focus on your health or do you think you just have like amazing genes I think it just happened. Like I'm lucky. Yeah. So that's definitely an area where I have thought actually a lot about of I'm a fairly healthy person, I would say, at baseline, like genetically. But you know, we still get to make life choices with what we do with our bodies and what we eat and how we move it and things like that. I have thought a lot about focusing on my health in order to ensure that I'm the best I can be. I mean, obviously things can pop up out of nowhere but that I am the best I can be because I am running a business and I need to be able to show up there well. So I do kind of think of it as part of my health plan is also part of my business plan in a sense. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Because if I can't be there and show up well, even if I can show up, but if I'm not showing up well, especially having team, a team as well, I just feel like it, it does a disservice to them and to me and to the business. And so... Just yeah. made a conscious effort, conscious effort there. I think healthy people produce better results. Yeah. Yeah. And they're more pleasant to be around probably. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I do think about that though. I mean, people joke around about being hangry 
as a quick, easy example, right? Like, but people who are hangry, hungry are kind of angry and they're not fun to be around. And then that does, you end up saying something you weren't going to say. And that, I mean, it can really, it can really take a toll on your business if you're showing up always hungry, which actually it's funny to bring this up because that was one of my big things is I would not eat like running the production company when I first met you, I would skip eating all of the time and blood sugars would drop and then, you know, you're just mm-hmm. going through the up and down roller coaster of that. And I didn't think a whole lot about it. But now that I have focused more on, okay, take a rest, sit down and eat. Don't do something at the same time, you know. It has changed my health. It's changed my mental capacity and ability. It's just such a simple thing. Like you should probably eat some food. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We hired someone at one point to make sure that I ate. Wow. That was part of her job description. Who, who did that? Um, I think it was Jessica. We hired a gal named Jessica at the time. And oh. I think Michaela, who's my business partner now, but she also worked for that production company for a time as well. I think she also helped with that often. Yeah. I don't think it was that was not part of her job description. She's just like that, where she's like, hey, huh. you know, you take care of yourself. But that was part of this gal's position was to go buy like fruits and vegetables and have them on hand. And then to make sure that there was like an apple sitting next to my computer, because that was not her sole job just to be clear, but it was a piece of her job description. Hmm. Sounds like a fun summer internship. (laughs) Yeah. Go buy groceries and make sure Vivian eats. I wonder what people do now that assistants are virtual. Right, like I ordered you Panera, it's do showing they, up. Yeah, did they just order on Instacart and send it to your house, office? I think you, you could. I mean, why not? And then send you a text saying, hey, uh, there's some blueberries there's, on your porch. Go there's get blueberries, them. don't let them freeze, you know, when it's the winter time. Yeah, I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but on the one hand, I feel a little bit embarrassed to even say that. But on the flip side, if that's what you need to do, then ask for help. You don't have to try and figure it all out on your own, even if it's something that you're like, I should be able to do this. At the time, I I wasn't. So, well, I think that's important because there's there's a lot of industry stuff, you know, like working on film sets and like uh, I know like there's a big thing in like weddings where you have like the hangover. Oh gosh, yeah. It's just because you didn't drink enough water during the day, you know. Yeah. Or you didn't have any breaks. Mm-hmm. And then on some productions, you know, you have, like, mandatory union breaks and stuff like that. And then they have crafty. Mm-hmm. That's can, an important thing. You can tell how, how good a production is by their crafty. Explain crafty for people who don't know. So cr- crafty is, like, craft services. Essentially, it's just catering. Except it can be good or bad. <laughs> sometimes it's, like, <laughs> granola bars and water and that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And then sometimes they bring in, like, a boutique and you get a huge charcuterie board, you yeah. know. And it's like, wow, like this client really cares. Yeah. Because they're putting like your physical needs um, as part of the shoot. Which is important. I mean, when you're doing production work, you're on your feet, you're running around, you're you're kind of oftentimes you're using your body to raise your up, you're down, you're kneeling, you're crawling, you're reaching, you're climbing. It can get very physical. Plus there's the mental demand of how do I want to light this? What do I want it to look like? Is the audio working? Are people working together well? Are we on script? Do we need to change the script? Let's change the script on the fly. You know, okay, never mind. We decide we want a dog on set. Somebody get me a dog. You know, like, it can get pretty wild. It can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What kind of production are you doing right now? Because I know you've had the commercial side, and then you also have Rainy Films, right? Rainy Film Co. is what it is online. Is that, co- is that yeah. correct? Yeah. yeah. Are you still doing that, too, with the weddings? I don't know if we're going to do any of this here, actually. Really? Yeah. What's that been like? Uh, I don't know. It's like it used to be uh, part of our revenue, but I'm kind of thinking like, man, I don't need that anymore. So. So you might be leaving the wedding scene. Might be. You do some nice work with it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was good for a season. I don't think like I think I would do it for another couple of years. I'd be okay with that, but I don't think it's like a like a lifetime thing. I don't know. Is it is it cool to hire like a fifty year old to come and shoot your wedding? I don't know. You're a long ways from fifty, yeah. to be clear. People can't see you right now. They're probably picturing an old old man. Yeah, I'm <laughs> only thirty, so I'm not that old. But anyway, fifty I, yeah. also, by the way, is not that old. As I'm getting closer and closer and closer, I'm like, mm, it's not. Not it old, really isn't? Um, people freak out and 
about their age and stuff. But. So yes, maybe they would like to hire a 50-year-old. Yeah, maybe. I get it, though. I feel like, so Mikhail and I also shot weddings for a long time. Used to do video, then we only did photography. And there's a piece of it that I still, to be completely honest, will drive by. This is going to sound crazy, but we drive by somebody else's wedding. And there's clearly a photographer out there. And I get a little twinge of envy. And I'm slightly upset that they didn't hire me, even though we don't shoot weddings anymore. It's <laughs> hilarious. Uh, it's pretty, it's sad, really, when you think about it. I'm like, man, I need to work on that a little bit. Maybe you should do a couple a year just to, you Maybe. Know, like, satisfy that whole. <laughs> I do miss it a, a little bit, but just we had to make that decision. Like you're saying, like, long-term sustainability, is this something we want to do, you know, all the way through? What's kind of the exit strategy for us with weddings? And frankly, we're actually not shooting even photography as much. Um, we still are, but just even commercial photography has become less of a part of the business lately so is that on purpose or do you think it's just a gradual shift well letting go of the weddings was for sure on purpose and we're no longer shooting uh, families photography we're not doing senior photography so right now we've retained the commercial photography piece but we've definitely walked it back and we're not promoting it we're not putting like marketing dollars into it it's more as it comes and we enjoy it, and I and I believe we still do a great job at it, but I'm not sure exactly where the future will go with that. If we'll spin that back up, or if it's on like kind of a temporary pause, or if it will be something that we transition, we're not sure. We don't have all the answers yet, Kyle. Hmm. So, how you're feeling about the weddings for you? What are, What are your thoughts with it right now? Um, I like shooting them. I just don't like doing the editing. Mm. Not anymore. I'm not. Not motivated to do it. Have you thought about source outsourcing it? Yes. Not that feeling is, it. That is just a huge undertaking. And trying to find a person that is like qualified and can kind of do what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, they just kind of do what they want to do. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I don't know. I gotta explore that more. Yeah, it is interesting to figure things like that out with the families. For a while, we had. A fabulous young woman who came on for about a year and a half-ish, I want to say. And she essentially took over the families. And so we thought, maybe we'll keep this as a piece and she'll just really run most of it. She did a great job. And she's still shooting today, but she's gone back to do, you know, her own thing as well. Or now instead. And, which is great. Like, we love seeing people follow their passion and do what they want but then we were like okay now we're sort of back in this what do we do with this it's a successful piece of the business but we're not sure that Michaela and I really are wanting to hold on to it so now yeah we're back in that hire somebody push pause you know what are we doing with it because it is difficult to find the right person and the right fit well and it's hard to get people that want to stay around and do that Sure, because they're talented. Well, yeah, but it's like when you hire creative as like an employee role, they, they'll do it, and then eventually they'll be like, wait, I have to just start my own business. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> and I think you have to be, as a business owner, you either have to be okay with that, or you definitely have to be maybe building them up maybe from the start, right, where you're bringing them in pretty green and you're training them. Yeah. And then making sure that you're compensating well. Yeah. I've stayed away from that model just because I don't feel passionate about trying to retain talent. (laughs) Yeah, it's its own skill to be able to train people. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like I'm good at, like, walking people through stuff, but I just, like, as my business model, I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to do, like, a volume kind of business. What are, what kind of projects in that are you excited about right now? What are you working on and what are you helping businesses accomplish through Um, I don't really have a lot of projects right now sure because of the yeah baby. with the baby but normally i'm working on like uh like documentaries and then i do a lot of like testimony work for local business so yeah talk to me about the testimonial side because i know you're kind of passionate about that doing yeah. testimonies yeah i mean I, I just like i think a big measure of success for what i do is when a client comes back and tells me like hey that video you did like raised us or made this much sales and you're like wow 
I should charge more. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool though, right? Like you help yeah. them reach a goal. Yeah. How do you figure out what their goals are before you go into producing a video? Well, it's kind of hard because a lot of times people are reaching out to you and saying, I need this, I need that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think they don't need that or they maybe need something else. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that's hard to navigate. Sure. But I think most of the people I, I end up working with kind of like, I try to just find people that like kind of already get it. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to like rewrite, you know, a book or reinvent the wheel for them. Yeah. So, because sometimes like uh, some businesses I think just don't get it. What is helpful to you? Like if a business owner is listening right now and they're thinking, okay, I might want to do video, how can they prepare themselves to be ready to do that, to have a conversation with someone like you? I think, I wrote this in my notes, but I think like, I think one of the biggest things I see with like small to medium sized businesses, I'm talking like under 100 people. Sure. Like maybe under 30 people. Yeah. Is that like the owner or like the founder, like they think they need to be the person on video. Hmm. And they're totally not the right person to be on video. Sure. And I think a lot of people have a hard time like letting go of that. And I totally get it because there's things that I do that I should totally delegate, but I, I'm just like, I can't. Yeah. And it holds you back. So. Do you think they have a desire to be there because they want, they want people to know I'm the owner and I should put my face out there. And so that's my desire yeah. to be on there. Well, I mean, obviously they started the business. They're mm-hmm. passionate about what they do. Like, absolutely. It's just they might not be the best communicator. Yeah. So. So what do you suggest then? That maybe they have someone else from their team, hire in talent, and maybe they're like part of B-roll? Or what's your solution to that? Well, I think it depends on what kind of content you want to do. I mean, I see a lot of businesses today, like, they're hiring, like, creators to make everything, like, mm-hmm. for YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of businesses have a YouTube person for their channel. Uh, like REI, um, like like a moments. character basically. Yeah, yeah. Like the Geico little gecko. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't have like, to be animated. So like these companies have this like person is making content, but they've hired this person to do that, and they're like really good at it. And uh, they may not be with that company forever, but they come in and they like spearhead it uh, mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time. So it makes me think of Flow from Progressive. Yeah. I'm clearly on an insurance kick, I guess. Yeah. Like if they put the CEO for Progressive on a commercial, nobody would buy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Flow is someone you can relate to. So for a really small business owner who might not be able to hire in talent, because that clearly comes with a price tag, would it be a good solution to maybe look to their team and see if there's somebody with a kind of a video personality, a dynamic yeah. personality they could use? Yeah, you could look for someone on your team or you could look to make different kinds of videos that maybe you don't need a strong like front person for so talk me through some of the different types of videos you're seeing that are successful for the smaller businesses right now um well obviously tiktok and instagram are Mm. pretty big right now everybody is like i need a tiktok i need an instagram and youtube reels uh but there's a lot of like silent content or nobody about that how does that work like uh, I see a lot of wood woodworking mm-hmm. people that they don't they don't really talk in their videos they just do the thing and they film it and a lot of times they just go live and do it so a lot of people just go live when they're doing what they're doing to like show the process of yeah doing their woodwork or maybe baking or cake decorating yeah. or I was explaining this to uh, there's a guy in Malvern that's like a church mm-hmm. that he turned into an art studio and I'm like hey man why aren't you just streaming to TikTok or YouTube, he's like, you don't even have to talk. Yeah. Just play some music in the background and paint your paintings. Like, people want to see that. And then they'll buy your painting because they saw they watched you. Like, they've Create been it. with you through the journey of you creating it. So they're going to feel more of a connection to it. And you didn't say a single word. Yeah, they're like yeah. part of that story now. Yeah. There's a fellow who does, um, he, he does something like that. His name's Dustin in, in Omaha. He might have moved now, actually, now I think about it. But... He would do just beautiful floral arrangements and put together, you know, the whole decor for for weddings and really set the mood through the table settings and the archways and just a beautiful interior design, basically. And I love to watch. He would just pop on his phone 
and wouldn't even talk to it necessarily. Sometimes might comment and would just live stream putting a giant, gorgeous bouquet together mm. or an arrangement. And I was always fascinated to watch that type of stuff. Mm. What if you are in a business where you're like, okay, that's great if you do something cool to look at. What about for maybe more service providers? What are you recommending for them right now as far as video goes? Like what do you mean by a service provider? Well, let's say you know, you've got an electrician or a coach or a somebody who's offering services as a lawyer or as a mental health provider, things like that. I mean, I see those things all over TikTok all the time anyway. Yeah. Like doing the same thing. But I think like, again, if you feel like you can't talk on camera or you can't like voice that, I think you should find people who can for you. And I think that's where, like, testimonials come in, like, mm. super big. Because, like, who who's better to talk about your product than the people who are actually using it? Right. That's true. And, I mean, we talk all the time about how important reviews are, just having rev- Google reviews, having reviews on your podcast. Side note, feel free to leave a review. <laughs> like <laughs> shameless plug, shameless plug. <laughs> I know. But just having those reviews... Is helpful. And so testimonies is part of that. It's a review that you can do in a video format. Yep. Are you right now, when you do that, are you suggesting that they book like a couple of people to come in all at once or you'll go out and do one at a time? Like what's a good strategy there? I mean, I have one client that I work for and I shoot testimonials once a month for them. Really? And they have, they'll have people come in Mm -hmm. and it'll be anywhere from one to 10. Wow. Maybe sometimes more. And they're just really short. The whole interview is like five minutes, and I cut it down to like two, awesome, three minutes, and and they they're not like whatever anyone wants to say either. Mm-hmm. So that's the nice thing about video testimonials is that you can coach people kind of in to what they do. And what I do with this client is like, hey, what was what was it like before? How do you hear about it? What and what's your life like now that you have this product? And then at the end, they all kind of say, like, the same, like, not like a mission statement, but just like a, you know, I do this, and because I do this, I'm like this. Yeah. And it's like, there's like a consistency to it. That's awesome. And, yeah, I mean, like, I I think I probably did 100 of those last year. Wow. Maybe not quite 100, but. How are they using those? So they show, it's, uh, it's for a church. Okay. And they show them on Sunday morning. And it gets other people to also do that. That's awesome. So, and then they do the same thing, and they raise a bunch of money sometimes. Right. Doing that. So, yeah. What a great idea and a nice way to use everyone's time well. I think that's one of the biggest things I've seen in my history with video is that it can take a lot of time for everyone. And so I think a lot of smaller business owners, well, even medium-sized business owners, they're like, I don't know that I have the time or this is going to be so much of your time. That's going to be a very hefty bill. So when you can like series things or stack things, you're essentially like blocking the time to have 10 people come in or five people to come in. That makes it very efficient. It's a great system that you're using there. I like that. Yeah. I mean, you really have to do it that way to make it economical. Right. Otherwise, it's like you're paying multiple thousands of dollars like every time one person comes in. Yeah. Versus like getting it all in one, really getting your bang for your buck. What kind of advice might you have for a business owner who's maybe not ready to hire yet? They're thinking about it, but they want to kind of dabble in this video space. Are there any tips you might give them as they're just sort of like trying things out, especially in to be prepared to come to someone like you? Yeah. Well, I mean, you probably have a cell phone mm-hmm. that's capable of making pretty good video. They have gotten pretty nice. Yeah. Um, you could try to do a testimony on your own or text people and ask them to make one and send it into you. I love that. Like, And they can even, like, take it with your product. You know, I think of, uh, I think it's 402 Nutrition. Do you know them? I don't. They, I, I think they have a photographer that comes in. Okay to their store on certain days but like there's lots of you can kind of tell what's like a professional photo and what's a iphone photo or mm-hmm. at least you know we can huh? sure maybe the average person can't uh, but they have a lot of like just posts that like people take like with their product they do like shakes and drinks so it's like user generated content. yeah yeah and 
the thing about it is, is that like they, you kind of have to like set that up mm-hmm. as like a rhythm for your business. Mm-hmm. It's like the people that come in to the business, like they want to do that too. Right. It's like a thing. Like they so, see it. It's like, oh, I saw my friend do that. Now I'm gonna do it. It's just kind of keeping. It's that. um yeah. It's become like a core value without being like a written core value. Right. And that's similar to this the client I work for that I do a bunch of testimonials for. Like people, people know that that's that's how they do that. It's like part of the process, and they're like really excited about it. That so. makes sense. It makes me think of um, with one of our clients, Barley's, who you're familiar with, of course, because you've done some video work for them. Helped launch TikTok. They're still trying to navigate, figure that out. It's a lot to figure out a new channel. To be yeah. to be fair. But they started doing these Meet Us Mondays with us. We recommended that we would shoot, you know, photos of their staff, possibly some guests, things like that who come in, and just let you meet them. And Meet Us Mondays by no means is our idea. Lots of places do this. And at first they were worried. They're like, I don't know if people are going to want to participate. We have to pay people, you know, we have to pay our staff to do this. And now, to your point, it's part of their rhythm. And people who work there now expect it so a new person will come on they're kind of like when when do I get mine when do I get to be part or we've had people say you know you know I've been here x number of years or weeks or months and how come I haven't had mine yet because we haven't been able to schedule them all in because we try to batch them as well but it is it's just like part of the culture now and it just took a couple of times I mean I want to say we're maybe three-ish in and and perception completely changed it's not pulling teeth at all like they're excited which is fun yeah i've seen some businesses where they set up like a instagrammable wall Mm -hmm. within their business so as to encourage people to take photos with their products or together things like that if somebody had a space like that that seems like it would be helpful as well just to encourage that type of user-generated content if they have a space yeah absolutely yeah yeah, and it's super nice because you can just walk in and shoot things really quick. Right. And there's a, like a huge barrier for the person you're including in that. Yeah. Like, wait, while wait, while I set up these lights in, in the background, and then they <laughs> left because lunchtime's over. Like, right. Oops. Right. Capturing yeah. people in the moment is huge. Yeah. So, are you doing a lot more with clients now, helping them figure out doing reels, shooting vertically, doing TikTok? being on YouTube shorts, or are you still primarily doing a lot that's like more website-based or live use, like the the church work and things like that? I mean, I do a lot more like freelance contracting. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really necessarily a part of the posting and the review and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just come in and I shoot the content okay. and send it out. I think when I do most of the social media stuff I do is actually with, with you guys. Oh, nice. So... Awesome. Yeah, most of the vertical shooting, that is. Yeah? Well, that's not true. I guess I've had a couple other vertical shoots this year, Uh, but it's becoming far more common. Are there production companies out there that just do, like, vertical? That's all they shoot? No, I don't think so. Hmm. Usually usually people do both. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to have both because there's so many different applications that you can use them for. But shooting vertically is kind of different for your brain isn't it um like the framing is quite a bit different mm-hmm. like i i just shot um last year with for meta they were like doing a documentary and i shot like bts and like um what would you call them like hot takes i guess from some of the talent in the okay. documentary um and we shot all of that in vertical and i think the the people i was shooting with like maybe a little bit like didn't it was different because, like, when you shoot vertical, you see more of, uh, like, their, like the waist and what their feet are doing and above their oh. head. So it's, like, a different framing. So sometimes people are like, oh, but I see all this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you do. But, like, that's kind of, like, how it goes. Right. Yeah. So sometimes you have to, like, work out the framing versus the horizontal. You can, sometimes you can hide more with the horizontal. That's interesting. So you got to, like, look out for different things. Huh. Especially with, like, lighting and, like set backdrops and that kind of stuff because you can see all the way to the floor basically from ceiling to floor if you're in a room you have to like make sure your shoe game's on point right you can't be like pulling a kevin o'leary in the office (laughs) and not wear pants right whoopsie (laughs) not gonna work Uh, 
Yeah. Not with vertical. Right. Unless I guess you're getting really close and you're just shooting a, like a portrait yeah. kind of yeah. feel. Interesting. When people are using phones by themselves, is it okay just to hold it? Or do you think they need to get something to steady it? A tripod or something? Um, I don't think it matters that much. Yeah. So many people are worried about not looking professional, though. Well, I mean, there's like so many things that you could just move to the other side of the room, get close to the window, and then you don't need to like have lighting or anything like that. Yeah. I agree. I often encourage people like just try it, get started. And then as you experiment with that, you'll reach your limitations with it or you'll realize what is working and what's not. And then when you go to hire somebody like yourself, they're a little more prepared for, I want to try this, or I don't know how to do these things. Could we focus on that? Because it's just outside of my time ability, my skill set ability, my equipment ability. And, and then they can really like take it to the next level. Versus when you have somebody first come in and they're not sure what they want to do with video, it can take a while to figure it out. And, and that can cost money to experiment. It can take a while to figure out. Mm-hmm. So. What's your style? What's your voice? What's the vibe? How are we going to do that? So being able to experiment on your phone beforehand, I think, is super valuable. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, we did the work with Barley's. Mm-hmm. And certain videos perform better than others. Mm-hmm. Like, even though I think both are good content. Mm-hmm. You know, but like when we were making videos with Ben and he was making the drinks and stuff, those performed like way better than... Like, on-the-street stuff. Even right. though the on-the-street stuff is hilarious. It is pretty funny. Like, it's just like... But also, too, like, we started with one thing, and then we changed. Mm-hmm. And then, like, either the viewership, like, preferred the other thing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe TikTok, and the algorithm was like, oh, what the heck? Like, right. nah. I do think so. video takes consistency, and you have to do it for a period of time. So it's consistently showing up within the days and weeks, but then you have to do that and let it build to really figure out what's going on. Or then the other thing is just like trends. You know, I think a lot of business owners are like, well, I don't want to make a video of me and my team doing this silly dance. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, but that's like, that's like what you do. Yeah. Like it's part of the, it's part of the market. Like you kind of have to like do some of the things that they want you to do. It is interesting to figure those pieces out And we'll talk with some clients and go, you know, try it out and see if it's for you, right? If it is just so against everything, that's also going to not, it's going to feel disingenuous. And so you don't want to go that far, but don't be afraid to try something, feel it out and see if you can make it your own and you can, you know, use some of those trends that help with algorithms in order to get where you want to be. But there's so many different types. You can find what works for you and trends within your industry or is appropriate for your audiences that still feels good. It's not like there's only... I think that's a misconception. There's one trend out there, and if I'm not doing that one dance or I'm not using that one song, then I'm sunk. There's a lot of trends out there. Well, and there's so many new ones all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy because a lot of times... There's like a little thing you can click on that says like, copy this. Right, yeah. Or you can stitch this. There's a lot of stitching. So like if you're like an insurance person or like you do real estate, you can stitch from someone else's video and like comment on it and add value to it. Or like be like, hey, this guy is in Texas, but here, I do this in Omaha. Here's my perspective. Come hit me up. Yeah. Yeah. So you're kind of piggybacking off of each other's content. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't like doing the dance or you're not sure how to put it all together, you could go comment on it instead. Yeah, exactly. I love it. (laughs) Well, I'm curious, what got you started with video production and owning your own business? What's that journey been like for you? Like all the way from the beginning? Oh, however back you want to go. I like like stories. uh, Well, I went on a medical trip to Haiti. And before I did video, like what I do now, I, I did like live sound okay. and live video production. So the people I went on this trip with assumed that I was like good at like the other side of it. But mm-hmm. they're like way too different like 
ball fields, but some of the skills transfer over. And so I spent like two weeks down in Haiti working with the medical team and some Creighton kids, uh, Creighton University here in Omaha. Mm-hmm. And we were like just working in the hospital. So doing What was that things. like? Had um, you been out of country before? At that point, yes, I'd been, been, that was my second time in Haiti actually. Okay. So it's very hot. There's not always electricity, mm-hmm. so you have to, like, plan for batteries and stuff. Mm. That Interesting fact, but, like, sometimes when you take a picture or video of someone in, like, Haiti or in Africa, like, if they are of a certain religion, they, like, they think that because you took their photograph, you own their soul. Oh, wow. So you might have to, like, sure get on the back of your camera and delete some pictures. Yeah. So do you walk up and ask for permission, or how do you handle that when you're taking um, pictures in Haiti? Or you're doing I feel like there's, like, two kinds of different people. There's, like, the kids always want to see their photos because mm. uh, they're just, like, maybe they don't believe in the superstition or, like, or they don't care. They just think it's cool to, like, see themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's people, like, want you to take photos of them. They're, like, this is cool. And then there's, like, people that want money. Oh, interesting. For you to take those photos. Well, I mean, people so, like, do get paid for their they face. They see you with a camera, <laughs> and they just come up to you and ask you for a dollar. <laughs> yeah, nice. And you're like, what? No, no dollar. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, so that, that's where I started, and then I came back, and I shot a friend's wedding, uh, and then I started doing that. I just kind of, like, just kept building on that, and then got into the commercial stuff. Like, I don't even know how. I could just started meeting people, and then they're like, oh, you can also, like, shoot other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing that's cool about video. It's not like I don't just work with, like, one thing, one client. Um, mm-hmm. There's, like, lots of different things you can do. And you usually don't stay in one spot. You kind of, like, move around. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. I'm curious, though, because having known you now for a number of years, I feel like you are you do kind of dabble in everything at first, right? And that's what you did. You started with weddings, and then you kind of added some commercial in, and now you're doing a little bit of social media, et cetera. But I also feel like over the years, I've seen you hone in on some strategies as well. Oh, like what? Well, I remember talking with you at one time, and we were just talking about, like, pipelines in order to have clients come in and... You've put some things together that have made your business more streamlined, more strategic than just, I'm just kind of waiting for the phone to ring and maybe I bump into somebody. You've really started building systems into your business. Yeah. What are some of those systems over the years that Um, you've built in? I would say that was mostly for wedding stuff. Yeah. Um, But I mean, it applies to most anything. I think most of my freelance now is just word of mouth. Um, But I still am like, I'm listed on multiple different places where people can help find you, mm-hmm. like through SEO and other searches. Um, but as far as pipelines... What kind of um, systems did you put in place for the weddings? Well, I mean, I had a CRM mm-hmm. that I still do that, that I use for all my invoicing and stuff like that. And then like, I have like different email sequences. And I'm like, I was like right about to redo all this too. So. Oh, yeah. So perfect timing. Thinking, <laughs> thinking about it. But like, I think a lot of... There's a lot of tasks that you can automate mm-hmm. that kind of help you, like, take care of things. Like, like I remember last year I had, I had COVID, and it was pretty bad for a couple of weeks. And, like, because uh, I, I had everything in my CRM, it's, like, one click. And here I am still making money, mm-hmm. even though I can't get off the couch. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, the only thing I had to do is, like, get on the phone and talk to somebody for, like, 10 minutes. And everything else was done. Like, I didn't have to, like, go to my computer. It just happened in the background. Like payments, like follow-up emails, what to expect next, all this stuff that's probably normally five hours of work. It just kind of happened on its own. How did you get to that point? Like for somebody who maybe has never set anything like that up, how did you set that up? You just sat and thought about the whole process and what needed to happen and things you were repeating again and again? And I think for me it was like I had tried a couple other CRMs, but before that I was just like, like, it was so hard to keep track of, like, contracts and different payments and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just need something that I can, like, have all this stuff ready to go on so that way I can, like, keep my life. It's so hectic trying to do it on your own, mm-hmm. especially if you don't have, like, an employee to, like, worry about your accounts and stuff. Right. Like, we found the same, and also was one of the learnings that we had is 
you know, I found I was having the same conversations. Okay, can I make this more streamlined? I'm sending the same types of emails. Okay, can I turn this into a template? And, you know, at first what I was doing is I was just copying and pasting into like a document. And then when I would need it, I could copy and paste it over. And that felt like, oh, what a relief. Like I'm not having to retype the same thing because I'm giving clients the same types of information, maybe a tiny tweak. And then I realized, okay, I could put this into a CRM. I didn't know what that was at first. And realized then that I could turn them into automations where, like you're saying, after the call, I basically click a button and say, start this automation that I've built and they start to get, you know, the three emails to prep for them. And then they get the reminder that we need to set up a call. And then they get an automation that says, book on my calendar with a link. Like, not having to do the manual scheduling of calendaring, huge. That was mm-hmm. game-changing. Mm-hmm. And so over time, we've just built those out for each one of our services and product offerings. Um, and it's it's been wonderful. It just makes business so much easier i think my favorite part of the crm is that when people forget to pay me it reminds them reminds them (laughs) a lot by the way yeah because (laughs) we forget to remind people yeah because we don't get uh you know like we don't have a monthly or a bi-weekly paycheck that just drops so Mm -hmm. it's like i think i i have one invoice from last year still that hasn't gotten paid well to you but like my crm knows that yeah. So I know that. But if I didn't have CRM, oh my gosh, I could be like just not getting paid for something right. and not know about it. And that's, a, that's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. Yeah. For sure. I agree. The having the reminders is so key. And then did you ever set up automations or sequences when somebody would say inquire for a service to follow up with them a couple times before oh, yeah. they book? It happens automatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't even have to think about that. Yeah. We did that as well. And that's, again, just a beautiful thing. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've had people say to me within their businesses, oh, I'm not booking work, whatever their work is. And I'll ask, well, how many times do you follow up with them? And they're like, well, just the one time. And we found that to be key as we would set up. I want to say the steps for when we do- did weddings, as a for example, we would have it set up. And I think it followed up with them five or seven times, almost always down to a science, it was almost always that third follow-up, I would get an email back of, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I meant to reach out to you, yes, we still want a book, or we've you know, found someone else, et cetera, and it yeah. was almost always that third one. Yeah. So much business is lost by not following up. Yeah, and I would say, like, even more than just following up, just to double check, you should probably, like, exponentially, like, grow your actions that they can take. Hmm. So, like, I think a lot of people make the mistake of, like, just trying to follow up, but you never give anyone an actual actionable step. Mm. So, like, imagine if you went into a store and you're like, I want to, I'm thinking about buying this. And you said, oh, cool. Well, take a look around, blah, 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 uh, and we'll get back to you. And then you get back to them and be like, hey, what do you think, what did you want to buy, you know? Or what do you think? A lot of times people are just like, I don't know. I don't know what to think. They don't know what to think. They don't know what the they need uh but like i think a lot of people especially in the creative industry it's like you should have one email and like try to get them on a call and kind of figure out what they want mm-hmm. and your next email should have a proposal that they can sign and pay and book you like mm-hmm. why wouldn't you offer that right away right and i think a lot of people won't do that until like the fourth or fifth sure. or until they get a reply back but like i'll actually email people and i'll be like i'll do one follow-up or one like initial like reply mm-hmm. And then my next follow-up is like, hey, here's everything I laid out for you, and you can go ahead and select and book whatever you want whenever you're ready. Because then it's in their hands, and then the third time I follow up, either they're probably going to do it or they're not. Mm-hmm. And then it's like you're not wasting your time or their time, you know, with like four or five emails. Because a lot of times I think people just get deer in the headlights, you know, they're talking to other vendors, and right. they've made a decision, and they just don't want to tell you no. Right. And they feel bad about it, but you're not giving them an option to like opt out. Yeah, or they haven't just got around to saying yes. Yeah. I've had that happen a lot, too, where they're like, oh, my gosh, I meant to get back and and didn't. And it's kind of that first email that's there. They're like, yeah, yep, yeah, we liked all of these options, but you're the email sitting there. Let's go with Kyle. Yeah. You know, like Kyle's responsive. He's going to be on top of things. He makes me feel comfortable because he's being proactive. 
That's good about the other step. I'll add to that. We also work into those emails sometimes after sending the option to book for sure. But if we're doing other follow-ups after that, sometimes we're inviting them to check out a blog. Or if we know like the style of what they're looking for, we'll direct them to go check out you know, so-and-so's gallery who also had a barn wedding. So just something for them to engage and, and look at more work and go, yeah, these are the, you know, the right people. And that's something that even outside of the wedding industry, we've been building in is having these sequences because I think it serves people well. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things we want to do. We want to make things easy and answer questions before you have them. And an email sequence is a great way to do that. Yeah. And give them a time limit, too. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, this is only good for seven days. Sure. So that, that way they have to like, they know and they're like a timeline. Yeah. And that's the other thing. A lot of people don't give their clients like a timeline. So we do that in the first email, like that we send out for anything. It's like, you know, three steps. Hey, you're going to book with us. We're going to figure out all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to like do your project and edit it. Yeah. I like and that. Just laying that out. It's like answers so many questions. It does. Know, for people. So. And I like that you're answering questions before they even yeah. Anything to ask them. And because you're the professional, not them. Mm-hmm. So like, you should be telling them, like, how it works. Yeah. Guide them down the path that's part of the service you're offering. Because yeah. if you don't, like, provide them with the answers, then on the back end, they're going to be, like, emailing you about everything. And sure. they're not going to, like, trust you as much. Right. So It is a trust-building thing, absolutely. I love that you brought that up. That's kind of a gold piece right there is when you're doing that, even in the sales process, you're serving them. It's not about getting them to write you a check. Yeah. We want a check. That is helpful for the business. But can we serve them in getting to that point? Do they feel well served? Even if they don't write you a check, do they feel like they were well served? They had what they needed? I can't tell you how many times people have said, even outside of the the wedding industry with what we do now, this isn't a right fit for me. Or we're just not ready to invest, you know, in this type of service yet. And then they refer people over. Oh, absolutely. All the time. Because I think, I hope, my desire is because they had a great experience even not booking us. So I've I've booked a couple things off of like a retargeted ad as Mm -hmm. well. Interesting. And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to do retargeted ads. I think they're like bugging people, like blah, blah, blah. Well, this, this girl that we ended up working with, she worked in marketing. And she's like, I'm booking you because I saw your retargeted ad. Nobody else did that. So I know that you are more professional. Interesting. And then from that, we've had probably three more bookings just off of what we did with that client. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So a lot, cool of stuff, a lot of stuff matters. Yeah. It so. does matter. One of the other strategies, total shift here, but I love this part of your story. One of your other strategies for life, and I'm guessing business, but I'll let you talk to that, I guess, is just getting out of debt. You've had that as a goal. Why? Talk to me about the getting out of debt story. Yeah. Well, I mean, we paid off all of our debt early last year, and I think we had like 60000 And there's just like all the normal things that people have, like student loans, credit cards, car loan. But I think, like, when we first started doing it, I don't think we, like, understood as much. Um, but, like, when I got halfway through it, I started to realize that, like, having debt on everything was, like, eating away at, like, any profit you could make. Because, mm. like, I think all of our minimums that we were paying added up to, like, $1,500 a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, how can you, like, take care of your own mortgage and your business while you're, like, making another mortgage payment to, like, things that, like, you don't even know. Off the top of your head, you can't even, like, think of what it was. Right. Yeah. How did you guys decide, how did you and Kay decide to get on this journey of paying off debt? Did you just come home one day and go, I'm done, no more debt, we're paying it off? Uh, So our father-in-law, like, would always, like, buy us Dave Ramsey books and stuff like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think when, like, kind of COVID hit and, you know, I didn't make any money for, like, three months. Like, Mm. literally, like, nothing because nobody was working, you know. There wasn't anything to shoot because COVID. Right. And at that point, it, like, wasn't even, like, bad yet. But people were just afraid. 
Right. And so we were like, well, we have to do something or we're going to like not make it. <laughs> so we kind of started doing that. And uh, I mean, we started small. That's kind of the whole principle. If you do the Dave Ramsey thing, you start small and it builds and compounds and you get really excited about it. And all of a sudden you're like, you find an extra like thousand to two thousand dollars in your budget, and you're just like clunking away at all the debts you owe, and then you get done, and then it's like, oh, sweet, I I have like half of the bills I used to have, so it's nice. You don't have to worry as much. When you say start small, what is like practically? What did that look like? So I mean, when we first started, we were only paying like two hundred dollars a month, mm -hmm. but as you like pay off different debts, you like compound like the minimum payment you were paying on that. And then you add it into, like, the next thing that you're paying on. Because you were already paying it. I was already paying it. So now you're just snowballing it but in. But then, like, when you're budgeting, you just pretend like you're still paying it. Mm -hmm. You just pay it on something else. So then it's like, we're good? Yeah. So then you just keep building it up, and it goes away faster and faster, and you get excited. And then you finally reach your goal, and it's, like, really awesome. So. How long did it take you? Uh, 18 months, roughly. Would you say you were being pretty aggressive yes. or yes? Very aggressive. <laughs> yes. M more aggressive than most, I think, that would do the same kind of journey. So. Why did you choose to do that? Probably for security. Hmm. And like a renewed hope for the future. So. I am. I'm just so curious. Were you and Kay both on board day one? Uh, she was. I was not. Yeah, took me a while to come around to that. So I, was it her idea? I mean, it was kind of like This her, is being recorded, so. It was so. kind of her idea, <laughs> but I also, like, saw that it was time to, like, take care of it mm -hmm. and, you know, make a change. I'm curious because I think a lot of people think about things like this, getting out of debt. I think it's just so valuable for anybody, but especially for a business owner. Yeah. And somebody who's early on in their business or later in their business, it's this the same is true. But if you can do it early in your business, I just think of the stress that is relieved then for the long term mm -hmm. has got to be so valuable. Oh yeah. I I don't really have any stress. Yeah. I don't have to worry about anybody coming to like take my car because I forgot to pay my bill. Mm-hmm. You know. So how have you both worked to maintain staying out of debt? Because what happens, I mean, I'm thinking especially with business owners, they can have, as you've mentioned already, cash flow goes down, cash flow goes up, cash flow goes down, mm -hmm. cash flow goes up. So do you ever find yourself having to make a decision where you go, well, we do need to buy, you know, these things. We could put it on a credit card or how do you navigate those? I just won't, won't buy it. Or I'll rent it, mm. which often, like, works out to be more economical anyway. Because a lot of the times the things that I think, I, like, I have so many pieces of gear that I was like, I need this. Mm. And uh, I haven't touched it in years. I used it one time. And, you know, like, I have a stop motion software with, like, a remote control for a camera. And it's, like, five years old. It's, like, worthless now. But it was, like, $600 back then. Right. I think I used it for, like, one thing. And honestly, I probably didn't even need it. Probably just could have done something else. <laughs> right. You know? But you buy it, and, you know, you just like, oh, I need this. I need to give this to my clients. But I think, like, the trap that people fall into is, like, you think you need to give it to your clients. But it's, like, either you can rent it, or if you – a lot of people want to buy it because they – that's just, like, what they come to. And they're like, oh, I can lease it, or I can put it on a card. But, like, if you weren't going to charge your client for it, originally then it's almost like you're just buying it and then you're losing money on it because the client's not really compensating you for whatever thing you thought that would put you ahead that you bought if that makes sense that does make sense and i'm thinking about especially in your industry and knowing that industry there's a lot of very expensive equipment yeah and everybody rents it and you need it all right like everybody you want it in your it. case but yeah. you you can rent it yeah and everybody rents like especially the like high dollar cinema cameras everybody rents it even if someone has it locally and you can rent it out locally mm -hmm. you're probably still going to rent it from somewhere else and bring it in interesting 
especially on these bigger shoots, like, because they're coming in from California, New York. So they'll go to, like, a big rental house there. Mm-hmm. But they actually, they go in, and they have a prep day. So they'll, like, get their rental items, build the camera how they want it, make sure it works, and then they'll get the bill for that. And then they'll fly it out. Even if the same thing exists here, they're going to fly it out because it's more economical for them to rent and prep it where they're at because it's cheaper. They don't have to be here for as many days than it is to do it here. And also, they're kind of like taking a risk because they're like, well, what this guy in Omaha doesn't have? Doesn't have this part or this part. So a lot of people fall in the mistake of like, well, I'll buy it because I can rent it out here. But can you really rent it out here? Right. And then you have the whole... Will people rent it? And that's another whole business model. And is your insurance set up for that? And how are you going to market that you have this for rent? Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and then you have to pay taxes on that item too. Mm-hmm. So that's really a, a good piece of advice. Of And even I think outside of the production industry, in any industry, there's a number of things where equipment will come up and can you consider renting? Do you need the software? Maybe you do the trial at first and see if you're really going to use it. And then I love what you said about if you're not billing it in, like that's a red flag, right? So mm-hmm. maybe you do buy something. You need to be thinking about are you billing that into your services now moving forward? And at what point would that be paid? How many services would you have to sell before that piece of equipment, software, or whatever that is, that asset you've brought in, is it an asset? Are you billing for it? Mm -hmm. Or have you just bought it and your pricing stayed exactly the same, but now you're using it? And so, like, how are you paying for that? So I love that. Because when you rent it, you put it on the invoice to them. I rented this for you. You're going to pay for that. And that makes sense. Yeah. You're not even factoring in profitability. You're just like, a lot of people buy it on a card, and they're like, I'll rent it out so that it pays for itself. Mm. But if it pays for itself, it didn't make you any money. Mm. And so, and cameras come and go so quickly, it's, it's like, that camera you bought, so like, people are going to run and rent it for like two or three years. Sure. And then, like, there's going to be a new one, and no one rent that. So, like, sure, you had the camera, and maybe technically it didn't cost you anything. But you, you took on a risk. Right. You know, and you didn't really make any money off of it. And the equipment depreciates so fast. It's like a car. You drive it off the lot and it's not worth anything, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> as soon as the next model comes out, mm-hmm. as soon as there's a version two or a new one that shoots an extra K. Right. You know. Good lessons to think about. Yeah. And definitely applies across a lot of different industries. Oh, absolutely. For sure. It's thinking about. Is it an asset? Are you billing for it? Can you rent it? Is there another way? Or does what you have work, right? That makes me think of slightly related, slightly unrelated. Um, I've had people say, well, I can't have a business if I don't have a logo. Sure you can. And I'm like, well, I have billed and received a nice amount of money with no logo. I mean, you know? I, I have a logo, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, so, like, it's just thinking through things like that, the equipment or the branding. And, I, I mean, I love a beautiful logo. I'm all about that. It's great. But are you holding yourself back in your business or are you putting money into things that you don't need yet, right? Um, can you do it without? And that, that kind of scrappiness, I think, is great, especially at the beginning, but it needs to continue through your business. You know, you can hit a point where you're like, oh, I could just afford it. I can afford it. And then the next thing you know... You can't afford it anymore, right? Mm-hmm. It gets a little bit hairy. I know you really like the profit first model. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I've been uh, reading through that book again, and it's so helpful, and it's something I recommend to people all the time at any stage. And one of the big things is if you keep doing things, like we were talking about where you're just like buying the things, you can't pay yourself, and that's a big deal. Yeah. you got to pay yourself. Yeah. There's and no then point. the things you buy appreciate it yeah cameras don't go up in value right so for sure i'm curious as you're looking back we're kind of wrapping up here um as you would look back on where you started and where you're at right now is there any piece of advice you'd give yourself or is there anything you'd go now that i know that i would have done that sooner or i wouldn't have done it at all what did i write down i don't think you have any notes on that oh, really? i'm throwing a curveball at you my friend what would i do sooner yeah 
Not buy a bunch of stuff you don't need. <laughs> That's probably the biggest thing. I would say get more friends. Can't do it alone. Yeah. Like you need like other people just to like run business ideas by, talk to you, and like work with other people who are in the same industry as you. Like they're not necessarily your competition, but they're like your peers. So. I love that. That's a big piece of this whole podcast. Yeah. Is it's just fun to be able to hear from other people and what they're doing in their work. And there's so much to take from each other's stories, even if you're not in video production or if you're not offering, you know, mental health services. There's so much that could be taken from mixing with other people who are trying to build something. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for hopping on here. I appreciate your stories. You bet. And I think if there's anything for people to take away, it really is that having those systems in place, thinking about your cash flow, do you need it? All those things. I that's some real gold there for people. So thanks for sharing. You should throw in that SpongeBob clip. <laughs> the SpongeBob clip. Yeah, where he's like he's like trying to go with that water. I don't know this one. You don't know it? Look it up. Every like a lot of people know it. The SpongeBob clip. Yeah. All and right, he's cool. like, I don't need it. I don't need it. And then he finally gives up and he's like, I need it. <laughs> and he like runs for the water. It's hilarious. That's funny. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Yeah. Riding Tandem is recorded on location at the studios on South 4th in Council Bluffs, Iowa, in cooperation with Todd Studer Productions. Hey there, quick question. Do you make decisions super quickly with total confidence and zero second guessing? Well, let me tell you, if you're a no, you're not alone. If you wanna stop worrying so much about other people's opinions, angsting about regret, and getting stuck in option paralysis, come join me in the Decision Masters podcast. I'm Kirsten, the decision coach for overthinkers, and every week I'm sharing tools to make it easy for you to make empowered, authentic decisions you love. You can subscribe to Decision Masters everywhere podcasts are.